the day that Screw died, I saw him maybe four hours before at the Screw shop, maybe four or five in the morning. Then he shows me a contract, man, where he Mariah Carey, they, Stoney wanted him to do a remix for Mariah Carey. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, man, it's on. You own. It's over. And he was nervous. You know, school's like, Cat, man, I ain't never mess with nobody on this level like this. And I had to tell yeah. him, I said, school, you don't understand what you are, dude. I said, you know, because school's always humble, man. He was a humble cat. I said, school, if they want to break a record on the East Coast, they got to go through Funkmaster Flex, DJ Drama, and all these cats, man. You know, I say, yeah. down here, you are what they are to the East Coast. And seeing the music is being being sought after in the South, and they want this 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 money down here in the South. So you the man, they know if they break a record through you, it's understood that people gonna jam that record if Screw jamming it. Okay. All they want you to do is do DJ Screw. They don't want you to do Dre. They don't want you to do Timberland. They don't want you to do. They want you to do DJ Screw. Don't worry about that. So he was like, man, I'm, I'm gonna need your help, man. I want you to help me, man, on this to make sure we give them what they want. So, you know, I was all with that. Man, call me in the morning. I'm there. Right. The next morning, man, people was coming, hey, man, screw down, screw down, man. They playing all this. I was like, you lying. I just found about four hours ago, man. Right. Sure enough, that happened, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so that's my DJ screw story. It's your boy, first on Graffiti Talk Radio, home of the hip-hop backstories, and I got my partner in crime, Bumbleclock. We get it. Chronic City 5280. <laughs> and I got my other partner in crime, thank you. We get it. Right here, man. What's up? Yeah, the hip-hop heads, our guest today is one of the original members from the legendary group South Park Coalition, and they're a legendary MC in the Houston hip-hop scene. He worked with artists such as Street Military, K. Reno, Reckless Clan, Scarface, and a slew of other MCs. Hip-hop heads, give it up for Klondike Cat. What's going on, Klondike Cat? What's happening, man? Thank you much, man. It's just great to have you on the show. You know, because uh, the first time I had heard about you when I was listening to Too Much Trouble, man, and uh, 
I was uh, wondering who the guy was that was doing the hook on Still on the Run, man, and they told me that uh, that, that was Klondike Cat, and I'm like, cool, you know, and then when I started seeing some of your other, your other music, you know, that's where it got me familiar with you. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, too yeah. much trouble. Yeah, yeah. Black, yeah. Boy, so, man, starting out, man, what part of uh, South Park you grew up in and what made you want to get into the music business? Well, you know, I grew up, man, uh, they call it really the heart of South Park because you got Dead End on one side and then you got uh, Yellowstone going into Third Ward on the other side. And I'm, like, right in the middle of, like, uh, Martin Luther King and Van Fleet. You know, so it's like like the heart of the, the, heart of the park, man. And... Uh, as far as music, man, you know, uh, you know, my dad was a like a part-time musician. He didn't do it, you know, professionally, but you know, he did it for fun. You know, my mother sung or whatever, you know. So, it's, uh, music has always been in my family. My and my mother was a avid uh, record collector. Okay. So you know, every Saturday, man, you know, she would open up. All the doors, you know, our mama used to do it. Open up all the windows and the doors in the house and clean everything. But she would put yeah. out records at the same time. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? And my job exactly. was to put it back in the right sleeve, the right way. So you know, <laughs> yeah. by me doing that, by me doing that, then I would read about you know who who did the production, who was the lace, the blade, the bass player. You know, it's just all of it. You know, so I learned a lot through that. It's just you know learn to love the music like that. Yeah, that's where a lot of us got that music education from, man, because I had plenty of days when I popped open those tapes and I was looking at the production and uh, ASCAP and DMI and all that good stuff, man. But look, since you say that your mama was having uh, such a last year, I want to ask you this. Did y'all have one of those stereos that was made like the table? Yeah, yeah, and you had the had the record the record player and the eight track on the side of them when you opened the top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, right. Ooh, we man, we tell our age down. Okay. <laughs> Already. Yeah, Ain't that the truth, man? It was just something about that, man. I used to just get the chills every time I would open that summer gun at my grandma's house. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Did you ever participate in any of the, the battle rounds back then? Actually, that's how I got my name, man. Okay. okay. I got my name. I, you know, uh, I um, I started, you know, I, I started rapping by, you know, we heard about, I don't even, I think it was maybe Curtis Blow or somebody, you know, and we was listening to my homeboys on, across the street from me. We was listening to it. And, you know, we was all like, man, well, I think we could do that. So we like went and we went in the house. We said like, we're gonna come back out tomorrow and see who got the, you know the tightest rap. So we came back outside. I remember I made a little rap about me going to going to space and battling the MC out of space. And, you know all that. And I came back. <laughs> you know all the homies was like, man, you did good, man. You know, so I start writing more and more. And people was like, man, you need to try to do something. Then I just you know I just start battling guys, man, and. Then I, I realized that I had something, and I started battling for money. Mm-hmm. So I would go around the different guys' schools. I would go all the north side, south side, east side, call dudes out, you know. If they had a title, I was trying to go get that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's that's how that that's how my name got known for battling. And then, you know, I guess people start saying, hey, man, you need to take this more serious. 
go ahead and try to get you a record deal or something. So, you know. Okay. That's how so, basically, basically two. Hold on. Basically two. Yeah. That's how I met Carino. Okay. Battle. Yeah. Me and met battling. Oh, okay. So you and you mm-hmm. and Reno, y'all had went head up in some of them battle yeah, twice. Right Actually, twice. Twice. Three times. Actually, three times. We we met like when I was in junior high. He was in junior high. He was going to Thomas, and I was going to Harvard. And I was hearing about this dude at at, at Thomas. Man, he was tearing up the, the the high school guys and grown dudes. You know, I was hearing about K Reno, so I was like, man, I want his title. He got chosen. <laughs> <laughs> So I went. I, I gathered up about thirty dudes from my school. We caught the bus to K Reno School. And I was waiting on the man, and <laughs> you know we were waiting man. School let out man, and no K Reno. Everybody let out of school. I said, Yeah, you must be scared. You heard about me. As <laughs> soon as I said that, the doors open. K Reno had the black book in his hand. He had about fifty dudes behind him. I said, Oh yeah, he cops up. Already, so you know. Back then, my name wasn't even Klondike Cat, man. I had a crazy name like DVSD. You know what I mean? So I yeah. was just developing. You know, I wasn't even Klondike Cat then. So we battled, man, from from the time school let out until almost sundown. And then the kids was like, hey, man, my mama going to be looking for me. Man. We got to go, man. I got to wrap this up, man. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of. You know, it kind of went like, hey, man, we got both were good. Nobody was like, man, y'all was nonstop. So, uh, and that happened, and then years later, when we was in high school, I met Carino again, but now this is how I was Klondike Cat. And uh, we battled, like, on a neutral turf, man, with a lot of guys from his school, a lot of guys from my school. And then, by then, I was doing it for money. You know, I would do, like, maybe $50 a round. we do the best three out of two out of three. And, you yeah. know, when we got together, and I was like, hey, man, I don't do this for free. You know, this, man, this is what I do. And Kay was, you know, Kay was always humble, you know, just like he is now. He's like, man, I do it for the love of the art. And I was like, me too. But, you know, if I'm going to expose my styles and all that stuff, somebody going to run with something, so I might as well get paid. So they was like, nah, Kay, man, don't have us call. Everybody came out here, man. You ain't going to do it, this and that. So, man, let's patch up on some money. Let's make this happen. So they was like, nah, you know, so my friends were like, man, come on, do it. So we did it. So the first battle I won, best two out of three. A week later, K. Reno called me back, said, man, we want to do this again. So we did it again, and uh, when we got to the, we went to a neutral ground. It was just maybe four people judging. And then I came to K. Reno again. I said, look, man, let's do this for money, man. I can't do it. I can't keep doing this for free. So uh, he was like, man, I, you know, I just do it for the love of the art, man. I was like, okay, well. Let's go, man. I'll go first. And I kind of set a, a mediocre rhyme that I probably wrote when I first started. And then Carino was like, man, I'm not battling that. That ain't even your caliber. I know you just, I was like, that's all I got, man. That's all I got. So he was like, okay. I said, you go. He, and he went. And he was like, man, K1. I was like, man, I'm cool with that. So I started to walk out. So K was like, hey, man, come here. <laughs> He's like, hey, man, you know, we started the group, man, Southpaw Coalition, man. He said, man, you hard, man. He said, man, I'd like you to be in the group, man. You know, we're going to try to get get our music out into the public, man, and, you know, on, on you know, radio and everything. So I was like, hey, man, I'm with that. So the very next day I was at K. Reno's house, and they went from there. Oh, really? That's what's and not, to, yeah. and not to take nothing. Let me tell you something. Not to take nothing from the wizard, because he's been hard like he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, right. you know, if I'm talking about since a kid, and he'll tell you the same about me. You know, it's just that 
you know, as I started out more lyrical, but, you know, by me being a street dude, you know what I'm saying, I incorporated more of the street, so I kind of toned the lyrical. I just made it more layman for my people, I feel, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know right. Yeah, already, man. So <clears throat> when you first had got into the SPC, who all was in the SPC at that time? Uh, me, K. Reno, uh, Rapper K, and then Nip. Thanks to Nip. Then oh, Point okay. Blank PSA, all them came along after that. Right, right. Yeah, because, uh, you know, one of the things that I really liked about SPC and really just the, uh, the Houston style was uh, the posse songs, man. I used to go crazy over those posse songs. And uh, oh yeah, first, yeah, yeah. Because the first two I heard was uh, "Mad at the World" on Point Blank, and they ghetto boys bring it on. But see, when I heard the posse song on your tape, I'm gonna see what I did, man. When I heard the posse song on that that lyrical line tape, yeah. me and my me and my partner, you know, back in the day, we used to make our little tapes on the karaoke machine. So man, we was putting together a little a little four song EP on our karaoke machine. And I had my, my little boom box in the background. I would put my boom box on the other side of the room. And you know, like how on the on the intermissions on the tapes, like if you be talking, you got music playing in the background. Right. I had I had Joe song, I had the murder the the murder script playing yeah. in the background while we was talking. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Cause I just, yeah, because I just thought it was dope, man. So uh, right. Yeah. So when when you was when you was getting your name out there, was you putting out mixtapes? Nah, actually, I, my name just actually got out for a bunch of battling, man. I battled, I I pretty much battled everybody I could think of. I battled the Ghetto Boys. I battled every Fifth Ward Boys. I went in on everybody. It's like I didn't, you know, I was hunting dudes down. Man. I was calling, finding out was your was your mama on crack. Just with your sister, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was so this, because you know, I took it when you when you do something and you do something successfully, you know. Uh, um, so you know, I started battling, and I'm realizing, man, I ain't lost yet. So you either gonna Word. do one or two things. You're gonna get big headed and just lax. Or you're going to step your game up even more because you don't even want to lose this pace you're on. You know what I mean? Right. So I would do, man, I would do like when I got ready to battle somebody, if I knew I had some kind of information I could get on these cats, I'll find out. But I'd do maybe 20 rounds with the information that I know about them. But I wouldn't use them until I get to using some of my rounds that I just made that was for battling. So I use them for like the championship rounds. You see what I'm saying? Right, like oh, yeah. oh, I didn't know you knew about this, and he knew, you know. So, and then I, 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 I use a lot of theatrics, you know, movements. If I told you I was gonna do your karate sweep, I sweep while I'm rhyming. You know what I'm saying? So it was more than just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was out of control, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> it was more than just, you know, I brought this. Like if you ever see me perform, man, I'm gonna use the whole stage. I'm not just gonna stand there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring the energy. A lot. I don't even see a lot of these young cats do today. You know what I mean? I'm gonna bring that energy, man. So yeah, yeah. yeah so 
uh, who do, who who brought you in to uh, get fired with beatbox wrestling? Well, uh, uh, me and me and uh, Street was on a, a record label called Roy Records, and uh, the guy had uh, some uh, legal issues, and you know he had to remove himself from us for a little while. So you know, Big Mike, we was kicking it with Big Mike. You know, we was cool, and Big Mike uh, knew Richard Johnson, who owned uh, Beatbox. He, he had played for the Oilers at that time. Him and uh, Alonzo Highsmith. So they was the ones that owned the uh, beatbox records. So uh, he told them, he, Big Mike told them about Street, which, you know, I was already a part of. And then uh, once we met, you know, once we met, then they was like, hey, man, you know, then they kind of seemed like, man, this dude do it all right here. You know, this one dude right here, he's rap, sing, he making the beats. Well, you know, what, what else? And then I was like, hey, man, you know, I got my own solo stuff, too, that I do. You know what I'm saying? This is just something we form. I've been doing my solo stuff, but this is something we form within that. You know what I mean? So they was like, man, you know, so they had me under two contracts. You know what I mean? One with Street and then one solo. Damn. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Cool. So when when you had dropped uh, Lyrical Lion, was it meant to be an EP or was it meant to be a full album? No, it was it was actually meant to be an EP while I was working on the full album. You know, we just get these songs out here, right here, man. And you know, since we do, doing the street thing, let's let's go ahead and get these songs out and you and you work on the album or whatever. And we just got so busy, it took a while to do the second album because we we took off with the street thing. And then even my little EP kind of just took off, man. I was like, wow, this, you know, you know, I felt like I ain't give them enough. You know what I mean? But it kind of worked to my advantage at that time because it made it more and more, you know. Yeah. I guess I guess to say what I gave him was, you know, I guess it left an impact, you know. Yeah, so did uh, did, did any other labels try to find you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lot, of course. LeJay, he... Yeah. It, I've been knowing LeJay so long, man. LeJay tried to sign me when I was like 15 years old. Yeah. This was before Scarface was a ghetto boy. You know what I mean? And it was Prince Johnny C. And, you know, Bushwick, they was throwing them up, like, you know, throwing, he doing flips on stage. Or he just started touching the mic, you know? So he tried to sign me maybe three or four times because I did a lot of work with Rap-A-Lot, man. I toured with Rap-A-Lot. I did a lot of stuff, you know, hooks and stuff and them, beats and stuff like that. So I was always, a lot of people always thought that I was on Rap-A-Lot because I was with them so much, but I was hanging around to learn the game, you know, the business, you know, because say what you want about Jay, he was about his business. Right. You know, and, and, and he had the game down packed. So, you know, I, I just soaked all that up like a sponge, man, just – Learning from him, learning you know how to do beats uh, from Beat One and Mike Dean, spending nights at Mike Dean them house. You know they they realized they saw like man, Kay, you really paying attention to these how we doing this music thing. You you must want to learn how to do beats. So you know I was trying to do it quietly so I could you know come up and do, it, but they peeped me out. So they just started showing me stuff. So that's how you know I learned a lot in them rap lot days when they was doing their thing because I learned a lot, you know, for us, the business side, you know, dealing with the clubs and and the touring and beat making. Right. And I'll tell you, man, uh-huh. during that era, man, 
not only what rap a lot, but the whole Houston sound at that time, man, doing some of the dopest beats that I had heard, you know. Yeah, that, yeah throughout the, the 90s period, you know, that doing, doing just some of the dopest, hardest, baddest beats ever, man, you know, just from, you know, beatbox to uh, SPC to rap a lot to Suave and everything in between. And just like uh, before, even even without uh, uh, not rap a lot, but before we got with Beatbox, we was also like I said, we was with that other record label. We had a deal. Right. Uh, we had a deal in the works with Capital. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But so we had a deal with Capital in the works. So kind of all that kind of went crazy after that happened because the dude went to the feds. You know what I mean? And then yeah. uh, after that, uh, with Beatbox. We had a deal with uh, Wild Pitch out of New York. Right. And right. When, we, when we got ready to do the deal at Wild Pitch before we could ink it, man, it just was crazy. Wild Pitch sold the company. I don't know if y'all remember MC Search in third base. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, yeah, the the the, the white guy MC Search that rap, well he yeah. got some guys and they got he got some money behind him and them guys bought Wild Pitch Records, right? Oh, right when we was we was getting ready to ink the deal, but Search didn't want to deal with no Southern rappers. Man, and he ended up getting really, really not realizing where the industry was going and what he had in his possession. You know what I mean? He just was trying to put on East Coast rappers, so right. That you know that deal deal went botched once Wild Pitch sold out to uh, search them. You know what I'm saying? So they didn't want to do the deal. Man, man. Yeah. So so after after Wild Pitch they got sold, uh, where 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 did it leave uh, Beatbox? Well, we just still did it independently, you know, and uh, you know we had uh, what we did. We just worked the distribution on on every coast. You know what I mean? And then it eventually right. led to, it eventually led to us uh, working the distribution overseas too. So we just took it the long way, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, uh, did 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 y'all ever think about putting in the female MCs into the SPC? Huh? Was, was it in the Was it in the dope female rappers at that time? You ever thought oh, about that? Of course, yeah, we had, uh, at that time, yeah, they was on, actually, two of them was on uh, the murder script. Uh, what The chicks called Bullet and Reload. Two chicks called Bullet and Reload, you know, which uh, I brought them to the SBC, man, and, you know, I did, even they did a little solo project, too, and I did all their beats, me and Dopey, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They was pretty hard, man, for some females, man. They was, they was slashing a lot of dudes. We would stick them on a lot of dudes, man, and let them slaughter. <laughs> Word. Yeah, man. So, man. So when when everything was when everything was going on, man. When everything was looking up, uh, how was? How how was how was everything in that at that time, man? Like for us, uh, the the work ethic and uh, the popularity, you know. Well, you, you got some some stories from that era, man. Yeah, I mean, um, for us, like you know, the work ethic, man. It's just like 
that's basically why we woke up and did, man. You know, and and like 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 even now, I've I've always had a studio in the house, man. I've always had some kind of pre-production, and and then you know, K. Reno did, even though he didn't even do beats at the time, but later on he started. But it was like. We always had many producers. We always had, you know, a lot of rappers, man. And and then coming up in the game, you know, you had dudes that, okay, well, I know I can't rap, but let me try this beat machine. Let me, you know, so we always, I guess we always inspire some of the homies around us, you know, to want to do these things. And, and you know, I mean, that just, that just led to to building up an arsenal, you know what I'm saying, of, of musicians, man, that were able to, be around each other on a daily basis so you couldn't do nothing be, but be productive. You know what I mean? Right. And then, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, just going around. And then not only that, traveling, doing shows. I mean, you know, I my, I dropped my first, the, the Hustler CD, man, I took off, man, and I would be gone for like three months at a time. You know, right. my, my record label was doing, Beatbox was doing their promotion as well. But I was like, look, pay me the same thing you're paying these dudes. But I'm going to take my own van load of dudes out of my neighborhood, and we're going to go and hit these spots right here. You know what I'm saying? I already got these tracks, and she's on where to go from rap a lot. So I'm gone. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I, I did a lot of hands-on, man, with the with the street team work. You know, I would jump out on cash in different cities and on the block, not, you know, because that's where I got a lot of respect because I would jump out all cats on the block, you know, they doing their thing, whether they drinking, they, they they selling drugs, whatever they was doing, I would jump out on them. Sometimes they'd be ready to pull a pistol. I'd be like, yo, man, I'm kind of that cat, man, from Houston, man. Jamaican, then I lied to me, so I'm kind of they know, okay, yeah, that's you. I said, man, I do everything. So they'd be like, yeah, man, and, you know, i sell some CDs and T-shirts and put up posters and keep it moving, you know. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was adamant about making a name, so I got out there, man, and went city to city. I, I can't say that I didn't just sit around and have somebody do it for me, you know, and just hope for the best. I made that yeah. happen, you know. Yeah, and, man, just like on your, that, that mob and music melody. Hey, Klondike, what were some of the toughest battles you had besides K. Reno back in the day? Man, uh... Man, uh, let's see. K. Reno. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course, uh, this cat that used to be uh, man, he's passed on right now. Uh, this cat that that he used to be a DJ too, but he rapped. Uh, his name was Easy E. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know how to play him. I know yeah. how to catch him slipping. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Eric, man. You know, yeah. uh, man, it, it, it's it's so many cats. There's some that I couldn't even I can even name right now. You know what I mean? Because they didn't make it to the industry. You know what I mean? Word. But they was hard boots, man. You know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, um, you said when you were growing up, your mom was playing music, and oh. Uh, who actually like what rapper um or what um you know what style just really got you to wanting to do music? Oh, my all time, I got I got a, a a few top favorites. Okay. But my all that the guy that inspired me to really put the pen down aggressively mm-hmm. and then find my style and my niche was Ice T. 
Okay. That's tight, yeah. Okay, that's what's oh, good. Yeah. And, and the reason why I said that is because Ice T could he could tell a story. Mm-hmm. He gonna he gonna go on some on some pimp music. He gonna you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying he gonna use a street game and he gonna go political. You right. know what I mean? So, right. So I like because this this guy had an all around game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then uh, of course. Uh, KRS One back in the game, you know MC Shan. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, oh, mo- yeah. so so mostly it was you know of course West Coast East Coast you know because I think you know for all you know because when I was coming up you know um, I didn't really know nothing about South you know you know people doing music down here in Texas you know all I knew right. growing up was was uh you know you know the East. You know what I'm saying? A uh, write on magazine, the box, you know, and, and uh that's all we had to actually see music, you know. Um right. I think right. I think it was like way late eighties that I finally, you know what I'm saying, got a hold to some I think it was um what was uh oh my gosh, from from Florida. What was them uh Me So Horny in them? That was the first time I ever heard oh, yeah. Yeah, two live crew. You know that that was like the first hardcore music I had ever heard, and I was like, "What they cussing? Yeah. They getting perverted?" You know, but um, that was the first <laughs> time I ever heard. You know what I'm saying? Just just straight hardcore hip hop, and I got hooked. You know what I'm saying? Finally, I found you all. I found Houston. You know what I'm saying? The music coming out of Houston, man, and it, it just it went from there. You know, I just fell in love, and you know, uh, y'all been putting it yeah. down, man, for real. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like when we started, you know, like me and K and M, man. It's like like the mid '80s, you know what I mean? So all we had was the East Coast, you know, and and pretty much the West Coast, you know what I mean? To to really mm-hmm. listen to, you know, the uh, pattern ourselves. And I liked a lot of East Coast guys, you know, for their lyricism, you know, and the knowledge and this. But you know, I was kind of a I jumped out the porch early, so to speak. So you know, I was kind of in the streets, yeah. so the street appeal, man, that the West Coast brought, you know, was a little more appealing to me. So I kind of took all that I soaked in and used all of it. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Right. Well, and I forgot to tell you, I can't, I can't go without mentioning Rakim. Oh, Rakim, really? dope, dope. Hell yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, yeah, but shit, what that really it turned me on to. Your your lyrical style, man, was when I heard that uh, that sleepwalk on that mob of music melody. Ah, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, hey, you 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 came with it on that one, man. I I gotta give you that one, bro. Appreciate it, man. It's it, just that track, man. I'm gonna tell you something, man. When I was making that track, man, I had I was so engulfed into that track. I didn't even touch lyrics for that for maybe about a week, man. I just sit and listen at the track and just listen, you know, and just yeah. listen at it, man. Like, this is some crazy stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something else, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's, one of my, that's one of my songs that I'm, I'm really like, uh, I really like that song, you know, due to the fact that, Man, the way that just the way that track was, it paints such a picture, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's dark. It's dark, definitely dark, but it just takes you there. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <took> me there. <laughs> yeah, man. So, look, when did you first meet uh, DJ Screw, man? Uh, I met Screw probably around 9, 9 3, about 9-3. And uh, a lot of people don't know, man. Uh, this was around 9 Five, nine, four. This is when Screw first started putting out music, like the, right after the three in the morning. You know, Screw always did the. T- I know Screw was on turntables in '91. See what I'm saying? Right. But uh, yeah. one night, Screw called me, and Icy Hot was happened to be at my house, and we was making a beat. And Screw called me and said, "Hey, Cat Man, I got a keyboard like yours. It was an EPS Turbo." He's like, "Man, I don't have no instructions. I don't know how to work this thing, man. Come over here and show me how to work." It. So I go over there, me and Icy, man, and we over there, we made to help this screw make the beat, and we I'm over there rapping and singing for about an hour nonstop, freestyling. Well, years later, this number, this is going to trip you out. The night, the day that Screw died, I saw him maybe four hours before at the Screw shop, maybe four or five in the morning. And I pulled over and I right. saw him. He said, man, you're going to live a long time. You'll never guess what I got. So I was like, what? He said, man, you remember you showed me how to work that keyboard and this and that, man, and you came over, he said, I got that great tape right now, and he stuck it in. So we both laughing because I'm sounding like Chipmunk. You know, we young. <laughs> so we laughing, you know. Then he shows me a contract, man, where he, Mariah Carey, they, Stoney wanted him to do a remix for Mariah Carey. Wow. Yeah, yeah so I was like, man, it's on. You own. It's over. And he was nervous. You know, school's like, Cat, man, I ain't never messed with nobody on this level like this. And I had to tell yeah. him, I said, Screw, you don't understand what you are, dude. I said, you know, because Screw's always humble, man. He was a humble cat. I said, Screw, if they want to break a record on the East Coast, they got to go through Funkmaster Flex, DJ Drama, and all these cats, man. You know, I say, yeah. down here, you are what they are to the East Coast. And I'm saying the music is being being sought after in the South, and they want this, this, this money down here in the South. So... You the man, they know if they break a record through you, it's understood that people gonna jam that record if screw jamming it. Okay. All they want you to do is do DJ Screw. They don't want you to do Dre. They don't want you to do Timberland. They don't want you to do they want you to do DJ Screw. Don't worry about that. So he tell me, man, I'm gonna call you in the morning because he know I know I know I'm mix master, engineer, I do the beats, I do it all, you know. So he was like, Man, I'm I'm gonna need your help, man. I want you to help me, man, on this to make sure we give them what they want. So, you know, I was all with that. Man, call me in the morning. I'm there. Right. The next morning, man, people was calling, hey, man, screw down, screw down, man. They playing all this. I was like, you lying. I just saw him about four hours ago, man. Right. Sure enough, that happened. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so that's my DJ screw story. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I remember watching a, a, a documentary where Makiki was talking about school. He was saying that a lot of the guys who was in the school of click had to go through other labels to really, you know, to come out. So he had he he felt had DJ School had a label and everybody came out under him, they would have went farther. With with your experience, man, and seeing what you've seen and knowing what you know, how do you what what's your take on that? Well, uh, far as uh like DJ Scoot. Yeah, if if DJ School would have had a label putting everybody out, would they have went farther? Because me and myself, you know, I I I feel like everybody did good, you know, from all of the albums that I had bought. But 
So Kiki said that he felt that if there, if if school the school didn't want to do the labor thing, and if he did the labor thing, everybody in the school those clicks would have gotten a little farther with their career. The whole city would have got a lot of farther. The whole city would have got. Cause I'm telling you something, man. Screw was an honest dude, man. You see what I'm saying? And see, that's been right. Houston's whole problem. And that's why, uh, uh, like Atlanta, and them cats just got the game the baton from us and took off with it. A lot of, of CEOs down here in Houston, man, was just really just using these artists and taking their money. You see what I'm saying? And they right. weren't paying these artists. So you got a lot of cats with a lot of talent, man, and they giving this they all. And then, you know, check time come around and they still struggling, you know. Oh, they they got paid, but they know in the back of their mind, man, I'm supposed to have more than this. You know what I mean? Then that kind of frustrates right. you, man. If you ain't got no strong mind, you may fall under drug use. You may fall under depression. You see what I'm saying? Right. You might not even, you, your penmanship might even just change, you know, if you, it just depends on your mind frame. You know what I mean? Right. So a lot of cats, a lot of cats didn't make it or excel uh, uh, because the the people who were over them, you know what I mean, that was taking the monies, man, and just misusing it and not, you know, dispersing it the right way. If Screw would have had a label, Screw's going to make sure you got what you was owed, you know what I mean? Right. right. He was just that type of guy, man. He'll Screw will give you the shirt off his back. So he wasn't, right. I mean, he never, and Screw had money. And Screw, a lot of people don't know, man, Screw gave a lot of people money. Just here, man. Screw, I'm broke. Here, man. You know what I'm saying? He did that a lot. Right. I know he did it for Zero. He didn't did it for Point Blank. He didn't did it for a few people that I know of. You know what I'm saying? Just here, man. Man. Yeah, so, yeah. so he was that kind of fool. Yeah, he wanted to see people succeed, man. He didn't want to just be the man. You know what I mean? That's what kept him from doing the label. Right. He really didn't want to be the man. He was forced to be the man. He was just doing what he loved to do. It just don't happen that the world caught on. Right. And, and with that being said, you know, that that's just a prime example of how something can't be planned. It's just how things just work. Right. You know, it, it, it it's just all about the, the timing, you know, the stars being aligned at the right place at the right time and it just works. Right. Yeah, so what what was the atmosphere in Houston like after school had paid, you know, as far as uh the artists and the music and uh the business side it, you know, just everything in general as far as the music goes. Well, for one thing, I think we lost our distinction, our distinctive sounds, because, you know, we had a maybe, you know, we had the SDC hardcore sound, and then you had to, the, the coming down, uh, you know, the fly style of the screw, screw click, which screw, you know, you still had your hard, your hard rappers, you know, like Pokey and the screwed up click, and, and just, but we still had our own defined sound, you know? Right. So it's like, now it's not so much as that. I mean, it's, it's more diverse now, you know, but, I mean, we in the era of this mumble rap, man, so you know how that go, you know. <laughs> it, you, you, you ain't got to do no hell of a thinking to make an album, you know. It's like, you know, if I had to ghost write for some of these cats, I'd probably write 
five hundred albums in, in three months. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was not knocking them, you know, not knocking them because, hey, man, this is just, just the era we in, you know. That's just like Fresh Prince and them all had their era. Right. And when, when the nice yeah, guy yeah. rapped about you know? So, you know, I'm not knocking them. You know, music has to change. But, you know, of course, man, that's just like when we, we go overseas, man, I don't care. I ship music off to Finland, Germany, Australia on a daily basis, man, and and those people still stuck on that nineties type style rap. This is as real music, hard the hardcore or just reality music, you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah, because uh you know, because I, I, I it's me personally I think that's kinda of one of my problems too, you know, because I mean it's just you know, the the way the music is now, you know, I'll be looking for that good music. And it, it still got some, some some decent artists out there. But right. uh, what we forced to listen to, it just forces me to go back to my my CDs and tapes from 1993 and, you know, on up to 1998. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, yeah, you got your, you know, you got Kendrick Lamar. You know, you got a few people out here that's, you know, repping for the lyricists and, and just, you know, I ain't talking about the old heads that been in the game. I'm just talking about, you know, the young guns. Right. But majority, if you if majority of the, if, when you speak on it as a whole, man, ain't, these cats ain't saying nothing, man. I'm a double, 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 what the heck? When designer got to get on the internet and slow down and talk what he's telling you on his song, we got a problem. And then right. people still saying, I don't yeah. I still didn't get it when he slowed it down and talked it. So I don't you know, so and it's a style. And people are actually coming, man, you got you know, you saying your words too clear, man. You gotta mumble it up, so man. So, yeah. <laughs> so you Yeah, so well, look, when when did you uh meet Daryl Scott? Oh, I met Daryl Scott back in the early nineties, man, early nineties, man. Yeah. Messing with me, with you know, me and Street Military, and you know, Darryl Scott was on the scene DJ man, probably yeah, before Screw, right? Yeah, so you know, he yeah. he he really he really the old head in the game because he he was, you know, with Ron and um was doing their thing, you know, he was putting the mixes out, right? Yeah, the Darryl Scott thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was doing this thing early in the game. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 do you when, when when did you first meet uh Wicked Cricket? Man, I went, I met I met Wicked Cricket probably around the same time as Daryl Scott, like ninety. Now nah, probably now nah, I knew Cricket probably eighty seven, eighty eight. Right. You know what I mean? And come to find, I didn't I didn't find out years later that Wicked Cricket was one of my cousins, man. We didn't find that out. Just later, you know how you pop up. You know how you pop out of some family members. I was like, man, what you doing over here, Cat? What you doing over here, man? This fuck all, you know. So we right. found out years later we were cousins, but you know we had always been around each other. You know, had love for each other, mutual respect. So, uh, yeah, yeah, because he had put a, he had put a lot of people on too. Because he he was a core promoter, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did, he worked in promotions and you know. uh Hosting, he did a lot of hosting and promotions. You know, a lot of club promotion and stuff like that. Right. 
And that's the thing about Chris. He, he, you know, he had undying love for just the hip hop industry, man. If he felt you had something, he was gonna try to put you on, man. He, he would try to put you on. He wouldn't, he wouldn't turn you down, man. Good dude. Right. Yeah, yeah, just in peace. And uh, and what what ended up happening with with, with beatbox beatbox records when uh you ended up did did the label go out of business or? You had left them, or yeah. Well, yeah. see, they, they, I mean, be, I mean, right now, it's the. It, I would say it is the funk. The label is the. You know, he has still got his website. He's still selling his portion of the music or whatever. But uh, as far as putting out music, nah, they ain't doing that no more. It's just that that was another example of people not handling the monies correctly. You know what I mean? People not doing what they what they should do. With with uh, with they artists, man. So once we got off, you know, when we once we had action of getting off the label, man, you know everybody bounced one by one. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So that just ended up leading into into other stuff. So, man, what you got going on nowadays? Ha Okay. Well, uh, right now I'm in the midst of working on a, a double CD, but. What's going to be different is uh, I'm doing like a street R&B CD, uh, like on some Nate Dogg type stuff, man, under the name Diamond Dre. And fans kind of already know they've been – actually, they've been hunting me about it, man. What's up with that Diamond Dre? Because I'll sprinkle them a little bit in the shows with some of them. So they like, man, I remember you did this. Where is it at? When are you going? So that one and the new Cat album. So I'm working on both of those at the same time. Uh I'm also excited too, man. I'm working with my son. He's 22, and okay. uh, yeah, he's nice, man. So you know, he he got a he got a following right now. He he doing his thing, and and this this is all without my help. Cause I he feel like you know, man, dad, I want to, you know, I want to show you that, hey, man, I can go out here and do what you did without saying, you know, I'm playing that cat son. You know what I mean? Right. So he 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 out here, man. He hard. He doing his thing. He, you know, he got this he got this era in him for us when it comes to the hooks and stuff like that, but lyrically and vocally, yeah, he's spitting. So, okay. so he's he, he been rapping since about fourteen, man, but he never would let me hear now. He bust up in his room and I'd be like, Hey man, what you doing? He put the pad down and I'm just drawing some stuff. You know, he never let me hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so years later I'd be like, Hey man, why you I used to remember you yeah, damn man, you know, you you all that to follow, man. I had to really get it right before I started letting you hear. <laughs> 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 so I said, okay, that's understood. You was hiding it from me, so yeah, I had to get it polished. So you know, and not just me saying that. You know, that's my son. He hard, but I've had so many people come to me, man. That boy, man, what you gonna do with it, man? That boy, he got you, you know. So yeah, we getting ready right. to put him out there, man. Oh, okay, and man, and another thing, man, you. You know your physique, man. You you built like a tank. You know how often you work out, man. What what what's man. your secret? Yes, <laughs> indeed. Just call me a fanatic, man. It, it just became a way of life, and it's just like if I don't do something at least four times a week, it just I just feel like I'm off my game. You know, so it's like, man, I, I do a thousand push-ups a day. Uh, you know, start off maybe with hundreds. And do up to five hundred, and then I'll break them down to fifties and go knock out the thousand. Uh, you know, I barely hit the gym anymore, though. I do a, a lot of 
you know, I got some dumbbells or whatever and then and, and a bunch of push ups, man, and you know, maybe hit the track a little bit. So it's just been a part of my life so long that, you know, it's just like I feel out of place when I don't be able to do it. Right, right. Yeah, man. So well you said that uh that you don't too much hit the gym, but look, how how much do you bench though? Man. Uh, let's see. Well, squat six hundred. Um, bench. I ain't tried my max in a long time, but I, I, I try not to get any bigger. You know what I mean? Right. Um. Mm, I say around four. I say around four hundred. If I got back in the groove, you know, I just ain't been doing no max maxing out stuff, man. Cause it's like one time I got maybe up to two hundred and eighty pounds, man, and I'm a short dude, man. I'm like, I'm like five ten, man. You know what I mean? Right. So that don't, you know, I mean, to me, it's like, put it like this: I was jogging twelve miles, and when I gained all that weight, and it was all muscle, man. I tried to jog to the store, and I was like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Because, you know, the muscle is muscle's heavier than fat. Right. Like, people don't know that. So when I was 280 pounds, I was solid like a brick house. I was like, man, this is too much lugging this around. So, you know, I brought it back down to about 230, man. So, you know, yeah, I stay around that 230, 225. Gotcha, gotcha. So, man, where can everybody reach you at? Uh, man, man, you know, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, man, you can hit me. I'm on the gram. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can hit me on. You can hit me on any one of those, man. And like I say, I interact with all my fans, man. I, I don't do no high side or nothing. You know, I don't do no hide, man. I talk to. So I met. I've met so many cool people just by doing that. You know, they be like, man, you actually talking to me this and that. You know, next thing I know, yeah. I don't. I don't book the show somewhere where they in a city, you know, due to the fact that they knew this person and knew that person, so. Right. Yeah, that's cool. And, but I, also, I also got my email, you know, clandycatbooking at gmail.com. So, you know, people want to reach me there for features, uh, you know, uh, eats, uh, shows, anything, hosting, anything, you know, you hit me on that. Okay, cool. Yeah, and our other... Uh, Co-host Big Diesel, man, here wanted to give a uh, wanted us to salute you too, man. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, and he, he had he had a question too. He wanted it's a song that that's on the Zero Legendary album, and he talked yeah. about he said he he said something about um, it wasn't nobody but me, Klondike Cat, and Bone. Uh, right. Do you know what he's talking about in that in that part when he says that? Well, see, Zero Man, when me and Street was making this, if you notice, man, pretty much every CD that Zero make, he's going to say something about me or Street mm-hmm. Military. Okay. And it's because when we were doing our thing, you know, he was watching us do our thing, mm-hmm. you know, and he learned from us. Uh, mm-hmm. his, his, early, his early flow pattern kind of sounded like Pharaoh. You know what I mean? Right. That's that rate right. the five. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you know that's I mean, and 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 he people used to tell, oh man, you sound like Pharaoh, this and that. But we used to tell him, man, hey, everybody learn from somebody. That's right. Then I had right. to tell him, hey man, you know, 
He said, man, I used to wonder why I used to see you do all this gangster, gangster stuff in the streets, man, and this and that. And I wonder you be rapping and then you go to blowing like that. He was like, man, how this dude do both? You know, and he could sing, and he was afraid yeah. to do that. No. So I was like, man, Ro, incorporate all that stuff. Don't worry about what nobody's saying about you, who you got something from. I say, if you keep on going, you're going to morph it into zero. That's right. Once your sound is polished, you're going to sound like you and nobody else. So don't worry about what nobody tells We all learn from somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, at that time, uh, uh, you know, I toured with Bone. So, you know, Bone was doing singing, singing, rapping, you know, and, okay. and I was doing the singing and rapping on my stuff, you know, and Zero does a singing and rapping on his, or sing, you know, kind of both at the same time sometimes, too. So. Mm-hmm. That's okay. what he asked right. me to admit. Oh, right. Yeah, and and then Zero, he done ended up coming into his own, man, and everybody is Zero here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. And, and I just think about the times when he was thinking about quitting because he was like, man, y'all son, you sound like speak, man. You trying to be, be this and be that. And, you know, we was like, man, don't be listening to that, man. You know, you, you just starting out, man. We was where you was. Like I told him, man, you know, my favorite was Ice T, man. You know, I was trying to slaughter every, every time I tested Mike, I was, I was trying to slaughter everything. I had to learn how to do the songs for the females and songs for this and that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, man. So, I, you know, any, anybody I see, man, that's trying to do this thing, I aspire. Sometimes my girl tell me, you know, you be giving people too much credit. You know they didn't sound good, this and that. I said, i tell you how many people that, now, I don't just say, oh, yeah, man, you off the chain. And I just said, I'm hey, man, keep working. I said, you know, you don't know how many people, but I've told, hey, man, that's pretty good. And they were kind of okay. But when I heard them again, they were ice water. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah so I yeah. didn't do no discouraging if I, you know what I'm saying, if I, hey, man, you know, that sometimes they give people the push to do better, man. You know, so, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, man, you want to uh, give any shout-outs, man? Yeah, uh, shoot, man, just shout out to the whole SBC, man, the whole SBC, rest in peace crew, uh, 3-2, you know, and, uh, man, shout out to my family, man, my loved ones, he's mm-hmm. everybody else, shout out to all the fans, definitely the fans, mm-hmm. but, you know, they, they, stay, they stay rocking with me, man, it's like, I couldn't leave the game if I wanted to for me. <laughs> I can leave the camera uh, yeah. where I go, man. They asked me where is that at? I know you guys. I know. And then once they like, uh, I don't know if y'all heard that new song with K Reno, me and Zero on it. Yes, yeah. 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 You know, so a lot of people's like, man, you know, man, I'm yeah. I'm reading the comments and people hit me like, man, you ain't missing a step, man. How you yeah. stay long, you know. I tell them it's just like walking, man. It's just like drinking water. I've been doing this. I know how to do it. It's like, you know, in my sleep. So, mm. ain't nothing changed. I'm still excited about it. You know, I'm still, I'm still, you know, uh, off the, I'm feeling off the chain when I, when I grab that pen and touch that paper. You know, when I stand in front of that mic, I feel like, you know, I can't be defeated. So, it's all mm. good. Yeah. All right. And uh, there you have it, everybody. Another. Backstory told by another hip hop legend, and you heard it here at Computer Talk Radio. We don't talk about it because it didn't happen yet. Old school hip hop, little family. All right.